Welcome to the Ohio State University Autumn Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, December 13, 2009 at the Jerome Schattenstein Center. 1,505 graduates received their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Kevin Boyle, Humanities Distinguished Professor of History at The Ohio State University. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to the 390th commencement of the Ohio State University. We are pleased to have you as honored guests as this university bestows academic degrees upon today's graduates. Ladies and gentlemen, I now have the honor and pleasure of introducing today's speaker. Dr. Kevin Boyle is a humanities distinguished professor of history at the university. He specializes in the areas of class, race, and politics in 20th century America. He is one of those truly gifted faculty members who combines path-breaking scholarship, deeply engaging writing, and remarkably effective teaching. In short, he is something of a perfect professor. Shorter still, he is an Ohio State rock star. Dr. Boyle has written, co-written, or edited four major books exploring a range of subjects. In 2004, he published Arc of Justice, a saga of race, civil rights, and murder in the jazz age, which is a masterful telling of the ASEAN Suite uh, murder trial in 1920s Detroit. The book instantly became a literary slam dunk, winning the 2004 National Book Award for nonfiction. Arc of Justice also was a finalist for the 2005 Pulitzer Prize and was named a notable book of the year by the New York Times, among other accolades. The Washington Post has called him a distinguished narrator of American life. His thorough scholarship and ability to turn history into must-reads are just a part of the story. Dr. Boyle is among this university's finest teachers. His lectures are structured as eloquently as the stories he tells in his book. In his course examining the 1960s, for example, he incorporates music, art, video, literature, and much more. Students call him phenomenal, and I quote their favorite professor. All agree that he is at once nurturing, compelling, and very challenging. In 2007, Dr. Boyd, uh, Dr. Boyle received Ohio State's Distinguished University Lecturer Award, one of the highest honors bestowed upon a senior faculty member. Dr. Boyle's research is well regarded among his colleagues and has received broad support at the national level. He has held fellowships from the Rockefeller Foundation, the Fulbright Commission, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the Guggenheim Foundation. He is a fellow of the Society of American Historians and is a member of the Penn American Center. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, with all of his accolades, Kevin Boyle remains firmly committed to Ohio State in his special mission. I'm honored that he has agreed to address the graduates this afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Dr. Kevin Boyle. Thank you, President Guy, Provost Toledo, the uh, members of the Board of Trustees, our distinguished guests, 
and my colleagues. I want to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to join you today. And graduates, I want to thank you for letting me take just a little bit of time, and I promise it'll be a little bit of time, from your extraordinary day. It is a great, great honor to be able to join with your family and your friends in congratulating you on this really extraordinary achievement and to join with you in thanking them for all the support, all the commitment, and all the sacrifices they made on your behalf. Today is a little bit like a wedding. It belongs to your family as much as it does to you. And I like to think that it belongs to us up on the stage too. That for us up here, this is a transcendent moment. Because we get to stand up here and look out at all of you and see the extraordinary promise of this university. Every once in a while, President Gee calls Ohio State the University of the American Dream. And when I first heard him say that a couple of years ago, I thought to myself, that's perfect. Not just because it's a catchy phrase, though it is, but because it's true. When the revolutionary generation created this country more than 200 years ago now, they took this new nation and they set it on the most fragile of foundations. Not power, not privilege, not divine authority. They set it on a single idea, a single radical idea that they believed in so much they wrote it into our founding document. This is what it said. It said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's it. That's the nation's founding promise. That's its fundamental ideal. That's the American dream. And Ohio State gives that dream substance. It starts, it just starts, with that promise of equality. There was a time when OSU, like most American universities, discriminated against certain portions of the American population. But those days are gone. Now it doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Latino or Asian American or Native American. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, if you're native born or foreign born, if you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Christian or a Jew or an agnostic or an atheist. It doesn't matter whether your parents are Wall Street investors or Walmart greeters. As long as you're willing to work hard, as long as you're committed to the idea of academic excellence, you're welcome here. 
And once you're here, we'll do what we can to give each of you an equal opportunity to build a meaningful life, to pursue your happiness as is your birthright. Do me a favor. Look around you. Chances are the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you is different from you in some way or another. But in the dreams that he brings into this arena, in the hopes that she has for herself, she's not different from you at all. And that's one half of the American dream. The thing is, as important as equal opportunity is, it's not enough. And the revolutionary generation was really clear about this. Yes, they wanted to build a society where a person could aspire to be whatever he or she wanted to be. But they didn't believe that aspirations should be self-serving. If a person took the skills and talents and training he had and turned them inward, if he used them simply to make himself rich or famous, then he was squandering what this country had given him. That what that founding generation believed was that opportunity came with obligations, that rights came with responsibilities. And the greatest responsibility Americans had, they said, was to serve the common good. And the sad truth is that in recent decades, we've let our commitment to the common good fray. We now live with a level of environmental degradation so great it threatens the health of the planet. We now work in an economy that thinks of labor as a commodity, something you can buy and sell for the cheapest price rather than a building block of human dignity. And worst of all, in a society that is premised on equality, we accept the most egregious levels of inequality. Today, not 50 years ago, not 100 years ago, today, half a million Ohioans don't know how they're going to put food on the table. Today, 20% of Americans' children live below the poverty line. Today, 50% of the world's people somehow get by on less than $2 of income a day. And those aren't statistics. Those aren't just numbers. Those aren't just something you cite. Those are human beings. Those are our brothers and our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our children, living in the hills of southeastern Ohio, in the dilapidated neighborhoods of East Cleveland, in the mega slums of Mumbai, 
in the fetid favela that rise above Rio de Janeiro, and we as a society have turned our backs on them. But not here, not at Ohio State. Now, I'll say something shocking to you. We can be as self-serving as anybody. I'm guessing somewhere in the next, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes, we'll start hitting you up for donations. <laughs> But in my time at Ohio State, over and over again, what I have seen is a remarkable level of commitment to the common good. I think of Jennifer Fair, who was a student of mine in the class this time last year. In fact, she was in that 60s class that President Gee mentioned. And when I met Jenny, she was a senior, and she had spent the previous summer working with a nonprofit in Vietnam, and she wanted nothing more than to go back to Vietnam when she graduated. But in the end, she couldn't afford that. And so instead, when she graduated, she took a job working to rehabilitate a neighborhood in Columbus called the Hilltop, one of the poorest neighborhoods in Columbus, serving the poor, not on the other side of the globe, but about two miles from here. About the time that Jenny graduated, the Lantern had a series of stories about a small group of students on campus, about 10, 15, 20 students, whole different group of majors who came together in order to support the working people who make athletic apparel, who make all those OSU sweats that all of us have jammed into our closets. Now, they didn't know these workers. The main factory for these workers was in Honduras. Chances are most of these students were never going to meet these workers, but they thought that those workers ought to have better working conditions, and they thought that Ohio State might have a bit of leverage in helping them get that. And they went to President Gee and they said, they told him what their campaign was going to be about. And President Gee said what teachers are supposed to say. He said, well, go out and show me that the kids on this campus care about this issue. And so they did. They built a campaign across campus that won the support for their cause of 60 different student organizations. They put the issue on the undergraduate ballot and got a vote of 76% support. And then they went back to President Key with the evidence that this university, these students care, and he gave them the university's support. Just last week, I got an email from another one of our alums, a guy by the name of Jake Nolan, who took a couple of my classes a few years ago. Jake now teaches in a rural district, high school district in Florida. Most of the people who live in that area are farm workers, probably the poorest paid workers in America. 80% of the kids in Jake's high school don't speak English as a first language. It's not the kind of place where opportunity thrives. But Jake thinks it should. He was writing me because he has a student in his AP World History class who he thinks is terrific, who he thinks is going to do great things. She's poor and she can't afford to go to college. So he's writing me to see if maybe OSU could help her out. And then there's two students who are at graduation today who are sitting among you. Jock Dua and Bol Awang 
were born in the Sudan. When they were six years old, they were caught in the war that ravaged that country. They were forced to flee their village, six years old, separated from their families, swept up in the great wave of young refugees that are now called the Lost Boys of Sudan. In search of safety, they walked 1,500 miles from Sudan to Ethiopia to a refugee camp in Kenya. They stayed 10 years, most of their childhood, in that refugee camp. Until in 2001, a UN resettlement agency brought them to the United States. They settled first in Tennessee. They attended a local community college, and both of them got their associate degrees. And then they came to the United States. They came to Ohio State. Jock to study international relations, bold to do digital art. And as they built this new life, you could hardly forgive them if they tried to distance themselves as much as they could from that brutal world they'd left behind. But they didn't. Two years ago, this month, after 20 years away, they went home to visit. And you've got to imagine what that moment must have been like for them to walk into a village that they only remembered through a haze of terror, to embrace family members they thought they'd never see again. But a visit wasn't enough. They decided that they wanted to do something for that village to help those people they had rediscovered. And so when they came back to OSU, they decided what that village needed was a medical clinic, and they were going to build it. And since then, they have devoted themselves to building support in Columbus for this clinic, to raising the money this clinic is going to require. I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but I wonder if maybe Jock and Bull would be willing to stand up. That is the American dream. That is opportunities created. That is obligations fulfilled. And now it's your turn. Now, it's a fact that most of us are never going to try anything as hard as what Jock and Bull are trying to do. But when you walk out of this arena this afternoon with your degree tucked under your arm, you're going to be carrying with you skills and talents that your communities desperately need. Imagine what would happen if those of you graduating in architecture today took some small portion of your time in order to rebuild the inner city neighborhoods of Toledo and Canton and Akron. Imagine what would happen with those of you getting business degrees today if you devoted some small portion of your time to helping food banks build better distribution systems. 
Imagine what would happen if those of you getting economics degrees and urban planners and education degrees devoted some small portion of your time to rebuilding the steel and coal towns of eastern Ohio. Imagine what would happen if those of you getting humanities degrees devoted some small portion of your time to helping the million people in Ohio who cannot read. Imagine what would happen if all 2,100 of you today devoted some portion of your time to serving the common good. What a difference you could make. What a future you could build. And that is what makes the promise of this day so transcendent for us. Because today, you lay claim to the American dream. And today, you are handed the obligations that dream imposes to extend opportunity into those places it hasn't reached, to preserve the American promise for the next generation, to extend your hands to the poor and the powerless, not because they're poor and powerless, but because they are our equals and deserve to be treated as such, to repair our tattered social fabric. That's what's so extraordinary about this moment, because today, right here, right now, at this moment, you can begin to make the world anew. Congratulations on your graduation. We are enormously proud of you. Thank you. Well, graduates, this is a glorious day in the life of the university and a significant milestone in your life. You have worked tirelessly for years with this goal in mind. Family and friends have sacrificed much to support you. And I will say this, the world needs you now more than ever. We need your knowledge and talent, your innovation and ideas, your energy and your enthusiasm. These are, without question, challenging times. Pressing human needs are all around us, and they are very real. I fully understand the problems we face. But I also have the powerful advantage of being surrounded each day by thousands of the world's best and brightest students, the graduates whom we celebrate today. What makes these young people, and sometimes not so young people, I might note, unique among this nation's college graduates is this. They have immersed themselves in the world around them. They have worked hard, some at several jobs, to help pay for their education. They have volunteered in schools, at food banks, and in community centers across the country and in the neighborhoods surrounding this campus. They have spent their spring breaks building homes instead of basking on the beach. Today's 2100 graduates have an equal amount of opportunity and a large number of stories to tell about struggle, perseverance, and success. From those experiences, they have gained strength, wisdom, and perspective that will last a lifetime. For some of today's graduates, however, the magnitude of the struggle seems nearly incomprehensible. As Professor Boyle described in his remarks, such as the case of Bo Wang and Jock Dao, their story beyond 
Shakespearean in dimension reminds us very powerfully that when talking about the American ideals of opportunity and educational access, we do not mumble. I am honored, moved, and humbled that these two remarkable lost boys of Sudan found their way to Ohio State. Other graduates have triumphed over different kinds of challenges, sometimes even life-threatening circumstances. Last winter, nursing student Julie Cole suffered severe bleeding in her brain. She underwent two surgeries and a lengthy stay at University Hospital. Understandably, Julie's family and friends worried about her future, despite the odds, though, and with her personal determination and incomparable care, she returned to complete her education just one quarter behind schedule. Today, Julie earns her bachelor's degree in nursing. The challenges are not so dire for most students, of course, and yet all of today's graduates will tell you that their degrees are more meaningful precisely because of the struggle and perseverance they, they required. A number of student athletes are among today's graduates having successfully balanced classes, studying, practice, and competition. Many of those students have made it into the record books along the way. One such young man is Brian Teneco. He has amassed an impressive collection of tennis titles, including being part of the Big Ten champion teams each of the four years with the squad. After winning the National Intercollegiate Indoor Tennis Championship last fall, he graduates today with a degree in communications. Another national champion is Seth Bergley, who won three collegiate national championship titles as a member of our pistol team. He is, earned, he is earning today a degree in zoology, and Seth, wherever you sit, I promise to be on my best behavior around you, I can assure you. The last student athlete I will mention has a name you likely know, Todd Den Denlinger. Um, is number 92 on the Ohio State Buckeyes standout defensive line. He is a team leader, a strong motivator, and this season he and his fellow linemen proved to be as immovable as the Great Wall of China. He graduates with a bachelor's degree in construction systems management and a minor in agribusiness. Todd, well, all of us today here and 11 million Ohioans will be rooting for you on January 1st. Uh, um, thanks to Todd, I will have turkey on Christmas and duck on uh, New Year's. You got it. I tried that last night and no one got it, okay? <laughs> Finally, I, went to, I want to mention Kathleen Cameron, who has enriched uh, past commencement ceremonies through her performance with the Wind Symphony. Today she claims her own degree, a, a doctorate of uh, flute performance. Kathleen is a first-generation college student who has maintained a 4.0 grade point average while also teaching music at two area middle schools and working with the university's P through 12 project. She's joining the music faculty at Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. Ohio State, let me just say this again, Ohio State has taken all of today's graduates many places on study tours and service projects, on film and online, in the words of a professor in the company of friends. Ohio State has made the world seem smaller and your world larger. We have challenged you to think about big issues and even bigger solutions. Graduates, each and every one of you today, you begin a new phase of your journey. So I will not nor shall I ever wish you farewell, but I do wish that you will fare well. I therefore send you forth as is my inclination always with a few words of advice. Dream big. If you cannot dream it, you will not achieve it. Do not use Twitter to wish your mother happy birthday. <laughs> never forget that you are the architect of your destiny. Never, never, ever let a bigoted remark stand. 
Never forget the value of a firm handshake. Learn to tie your own bow tie and then brag about it. I always do. <laughs> Be insistently curious. Ask questions of everyone you meet. When opportunity knocks, knock it out of the park. Remember that watching The Apprentice does not count as prepping for a job interview. Run your own race, keep your head up and your shoulders back, and always, always, always remember your alma mater. We will not forget you. So ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for giving me the honor to be part of this most remarkable university. I will tell you this, and I hope you all feel this way, that there is nowhere on earth I'd rather be than this great state of Ohio and at this great university. So I offer you my personal congratulations, my admiration, my deep affection, my respect, and my best wishes. And I say to each and every one of you, God speed you on your remarkable journey.